Thanks again for your warm welcome this morning. Uh, Lionel isn't here this morning because uh, Sarah had a bit of a high temperature this morning. So he's uh, stayed at home with her and with Peter but sends his love and uh, we're all looking forward to being back with you again next week. As we begin our worship, I thought it would be good to read from today's lectionary psalm. And so Psalm 19, this is how it starts. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. And yet their voice goes out into all the earth into words to the end of the world. Isn't it amazing how creation speaks of God and of his majesty? Sarah, at the moment, um, whenever you take her outside, especially at night because it's still dark, looks at this dark sky and goes, stars, wow, in that kind of childlike way. But something in her gets that everything speaks of God and of his glory. And I wonder if we get that same sense of amazement when we look outside. Everything speaks of God's glory. And that's what the psalmist manages to capture. And he carries on and says a bunch of stuff. But then he says right at the end, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock and my redeemer. He starts off really big and then realises that actually everything in him can speak of God and of God's glory. And that's what he asks God to help him to do. And isn't it great this morning that as we gather together, that's what we come to do. We come together to glorify God, to speak of who he is and of his worth and of his majesty. And so I guess that would really be our prayer this morning. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to God. And so why don't we stand and sing together, if you're able, or stay seated if not, our first song together. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise.
together. Father, thank you that we're able to gather this morning and praise you. We recognise that you are majestic, that you are holy, that you are wonderful. Lord, in everything that we sing this morning and everything that's spoken, may it be pleasing to you. And we ask too that we would hear from you, that you would speak deep into our hearts and change our lives. For we ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen. I wonder this morning, is anyone a runner here by any chance? Does anyone do running as a pastime? Your faces are telling me that you think the same thing as I do about it. <laughs> Does anyone run it? Do you guys run it at school? Are you good at running? Are you good at running? I'm looking for a couple of volunteers this morning. Oh, even better, two volunteers, willing volunteers. I didn't even need to pick on you. Even better, come and stand up here. It's a bit of a running challenge, so it's good that you're good at it. What I want you to do, is you might need a little bit more space between yourselves, is I want you to run on the spot 
for it as long as you can without stopping. Is that okay? When you think that you need to stop and give up, that's fine. You just need to stop. And we'll see who can go the longest. Is that okay? Oh, meant to mention, if you could do it without breathing, that would be great. So when you start running, if you can just hold your breath and then please don't pass out. Is anyone a doctor in the house? Um, if you could, when you think you're going to need to stop and take a breath, then you can just stop running. Is that okay? Do you think you'll be able to do it for a long time? Do you think you'll be able to do it for a long time? Really important, please don't pass out. So when you think you need to stop, just stop. Okay? No breathing. You can keep breathing, it's okay. Ready? Oh, has anyone got a stop clock or a second hand on their watch? Just so that we can time Oh, we've got one up the back, that's perfect. You can give us our three, two, one, go. Remember, no breathing. They're doing quite well, aren't they? This is better than my attempts at running generally. You're going a little bit red. You're still looking quite good. Keep running on the spot. Oh, okay, you needed to stop. Keep going. You okay? No, you could breathe. Shall we try again? Right. You can breathe this time. You keep breathing. You can breathe as you run. You... I think you could do a wee bit longer. Do you think so? Maybe not. Will we give it another go? Take a couple of deep breaths first. <sighs> Feeling ready? Limbering up your arms and legs? Really important, keep breathing. Yeah? Don't. Go! You're getting faster. Oh, it's on now. Oh, that was a breath. Yep, you're still going. Keep going. Could you keep going for a while longer, do you think, if you were, because you're breathing? I think you could. Let's give them a round of applause for uh, volunteering. This morning through here, what we're going to look at is what Jesus said his mission was going to be. And it's interesting because he starts it off by saying, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's reading from the scroll that I placed in Isaiah, and that's what he starts with, the spirit of the Lord is on me he realises how important the Holy Spirit is right at the start when he tells what he's going to do. And you know, when it comes to living like a Christian and being a Christian, he wants us to recognise that too. He wants us to know how important the Holy Spirit is. It's a bit like running. If you're running and not taking any breath in, you can run for a little bit. You did really well. But eventually you need to give up and stop and it just doesn't work whereas when you're breathing you can go for ages the Holy Spirit is described as a breath it helps us keep going keep living the way God wants us to keep following Jesus and doing what he says and picking ourselves up when we fall And it's good for us to remember that, but also to ask God to keep filling us with the Holy Spirit. Because the thing about a breath is you need to keep taking it, don't you? You can't just take one and have that be enough. And so I thought it would be good this morning, just before we do anything else, to ask God to fill us with his Spirit again. And we're going to do that in a responsive prayer. So when I say at any point in the prayer this morning, your response is going to be, Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Shall we try that together once? Uh, This morning... Superb. Let's pray together.
God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for today and all that it will hold. We know that we need you to get us through it. And so, Lord, this morning, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you give us your Spirit to help us, to encourage us, to guide us, and to shape us. Lord, this morning, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And as we go into this week, whether it's in nursery, school, work, or with friends, we know that you have plans for us and for the whole world around us. So as you send us out, Lord, this morning, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing together um, a song, Let Your Light Shine. It's a very familiar passage that we have down for reading this morning, so I'm going to read it in perhaps an unfamiliar version. This is the, the message, the Bible in contemporary language it calls itself. Luke 4:14. Jesus returned to Galilee, powerful in the spirit. News that he was back spread throughout the countryside. He taught in their meeting places to everyone's acclaim and pleasure. He came to Nazareth, where he had been reared. As he always did on that Sabbath, he went to the meeting place. When he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written... God's spirit is on me. 
He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. Sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the burdened and battered free. To announce this is God's year to act. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant and sat down. Every eye in the place was on him, intent. Then he started in, you've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. If you don't mind, can I ask you to close your eyes for a couple of minutes and uh, just do a little bit of imagining with me. Imagine that you're in the temple that day as Jesus takes his place towards the front. You grew up with him. You were friends with him and you played together as kids, so you know him really well. I mean, his mum and dad live a few houses down from you, so parents being friends, that kind of thing was only natural. You've both been coming to the temple since you were small, but while you've gone into the family business, Jesus, well, um, he seems to be taking a different path. You've heard stories about that man, John, baptizing him recently, though the conversation they had confuses you a little, and, well, there was some strange report about a dove and a voice. You're not quite sure what all that's about. After that, baptism thing with John. He seemed to disappear for a bit, but then he reappeared and something seemed different. And loads of your friends in the other villages, well, they've been talking about him, saying what he's been saying in their places of worship. And you'd thought for a little bit about traveling to see for yourself, because you know him, he's Jesus. But then he came back to town the other night. And so here you both are, sitting in the temple, in the place where you had instruction when you were small. Jesus is a bit like you, isn't he? (laughs) Being at the synagogue, at the temple, is part of what you do. It's part of who you are. Being with God's people. 
hearing scripture, listening to others. You're not sure if it was Jesus who was scheduled to speak this morning. You know the leaders have some kind of plan about how they do all that. But either way, he's being handed the scroll. You wonder what the reading will be and what he'll say and if it'll live up to all you've been hearing about him. You're sitting to attention, you're ready, you don't want to miss a thing. You're angling forward. I mean, after all, can Joseph's son really be that good a teacher? You're about to find out because he unrolls the scroll and, and opens his mouth and starts to speak and this is what comes out. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He rolls up the scroll and gives it back to the person who gave him it. You can't take your eyes off him. There's something about him. And then he says, today it's fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, you can open your eyes. Thank you. Jesus stands to read the scroll because that was a sign of respect for God's word, but then he sits to teach as they would do. He'd been being praised because of how well he spoke, and although we're not told what he said, the news about him was spreading far and wide, and it was good stuff. But I wonder if there was a little bit of underlying tension or pressure that day, because it's his hometown and it's his home synagogue and, well, they've known him his whole life. And I know when I go to preach in my home church, then uh, there's certainly a little bit of nervousness on my part. I don't know if Jesus was nervous, but I wonder if everyone listening was just listening that little bit more closely. They've known him since he's a small boy, but they don't quite comprehend yet what's going on with this small boy. Now, as a preacher, there are two bits of the sermon that you always want to get right. Really, you want to get the whole thing right, but you pay special attention to the start and the end. Because what you want to do in those first few moments is grab people's attention. Because you've been studying God's word, you know what it says, you know what you think God's spoken to you, and so you want to get people's attention, you want them to be hooked in. You think it's important and you want them to be listening. Or at least that's how it is for me, it might not be for anyone else. And so whether you tell a story or you get people to imagine, you want to make sure they're listening. And so Jesus begins his sermon in the, the synagogue that day with this sentence that would have rocked the place. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a way to get their attention. He's basically telling them in as plain a language as he could make it for them, What you've just heard, what you've been longing for, what you've been waiting for, what you understand as the Messiah, it's in me. It's being fulfilled. It's what God sent me to do. This describes me. And I find it really amazing that it's not part of our reading this morning, but in the next verse it says that people spoke really well of his gracious words. Not sure that's quite how I would describe what he's just said, but they speak really well of him. That Isaiah, who they know is describing the Messiah, and Jesus has just said that's him. Wow, they're unfazed. 
A few verses later, as he starts to get into the sermon, they want to take him and dispel him out the village and throw him off a cliff because suddenly now he's saying stuff that's shocking. And surprisingly, he passes through them and carries on his way. The passage contains all these mind-boggling, contradictory almost emotions. There's the excitement, the wonderful stuff, the things that we're not quite sure of, all contained in this little bit and look. And I'm kind of thankful that the lecturer doesn't put it all together for us, but stops at the start of that sermon. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's a good news passage. It's a passage that the people of God have been holding on to as to what this Messiah is going to be and what this Messiah is going to do. And so imagine hearing something that you've been looking forward to and hoping for and being told that it's here. The captives are going to be freed. The blind are going to see there's going to be freedom for the oppressed. God's favour is coming. This is good news. And as I was reading it this, more, this, this week and getting that sense of that, I also got a sense of what's not being said. So Jesus is saying what he's going to do, but what he's not saying is equally as important. So what he's not saying is, I've come to bring guilt. Or I've come to only free those who have lived good lives and who are perfect. The passage doesn't contain judgment. It contains mercy and hope. It's not just for perfect people. There's this big picture of transformation going on that the people are waiting for, even in the midst of their little picture lives. And it's beautiful. And Jesus knows that he's central to all of that, and he tells them that he's central to all of that. He knows who he is, He knows what he's been called to do. And some think that this was Jesus starting to declare what his mission was going to be. They call it the Luke Manifesto. And others think that his mission had started when he was baptised. And either way, I think it really doesn't matter which way you view it. Jesus is telling them what he's come to do. And he makes it kind of clear that nothing is going to deter him from that. And it seems that his mission, he understands it as kind of Trinitarian in nature. So he's Jesus, but he knows that he's come from God, and he knows that he's relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything. The three persons of the Trinity are involved in what is going to happen. The three persons of the Trinity are intrinsically involved and intricately involved in this composition on the unfolding canvas that is transformation. And so Jesus says to them that his mission is fivefold. He says that he's going to proclaim good news to the poor. He's going to bring freedom for prisoners. He's going to bring sight to the blind. He's going to set the oppressed free. He's going to proclaim the year of God's favor. And though he was single-minded in that, the way that that worked itself out as you continue to read scripture was very varied. From physical actual healings and people being um, given back their sight to all the things that happen on the inside. Because the reality is that we all need Jesus' mission. It's relevant for all of us because we all know that we need what he says he will do. You know, we may not be 
actually physically blind, but how often are we blind to what God wants us to do or what God is telling us to do or asking of us? We may not be physically held captive, but how often are we captive to our emotions or feel like we're being held by situations or bound up by an issue in our life? How much do we need to know God's freedom in that? How much do we need to know that God's favour is here? That it's a time of jubilee, that everything will be made right and as God intended it to be? And I guess the great news for us hearing it this morning, like Graham said, it's a really familiar passage, is that we're people who understand and know something of it already. I don't know if you ever saw a couple of years ago, there was a little craze um, called the cardboard box or the cardboard testimonies. Did anyone see any of them? Um, Loads of churches seem to do it. So if you looked on YouTube, you would find videos of it. But in church services, what people started to do was to a piece of music. um, They would write on one side of a piece of cardboard something about their life, like, you know, they maybe used to be a drug addict or they didn't know um, how to love people or they were battling some illness. And then on the other side, they would write something about the difference that God and that Jesus was making in their lives at that time. So the drug addict might list the number of days that they had been clean. Or um, the person who was fighting illness might say that they actually knew God's peace even in the midst of the illness. The person who said that they didn't know how to love or be loved might say that they understood something of, of God's unconditional love. We even used it on Step Out for a little bit as a way of showing pictorially what God was doing in our lives. We're people who know that God transforms and that Jesus fulfills what he said he was going to do. And yet, and yet there is this thing in the passage that we can't just ignore or skip over as much as sometimes we'd like to. Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and then he lists what he's going to do and then he starts his sermon by saying this is fulfilled today in your hearing and yet it's not done yet. There are still captives. There are still those who are blind. There are still those who need release from oppression There are still those that need to know good news and that God's favour is coming and has come. Both those who are God's people and those who aren't in terms of acknowledging that for themselves. Jesus said that his mission was fulfilled in their hearing. And we live somewhere in the tension of the now and the not yet aspect of that, don't we? In that moment, as the people heard that, outwardly, it was as if nothing had changed. And yet at the same time, in that moment, everything was suddenly different. And we're still somewhere in between that, aren't we? There's a Christian band called Blue Tree, an an Irish Christian band, and their, their pastors in Ireland asked them, if they would be happy to go to Thailand and do some stuff. And so they said yes. And away they went. And uh, 
they went to a place called Pattaya in Thailand, which is seen by some as the kind of sex tourist capital of the world. And in a whole roundabout kind of way, they ended up playing in a brothel, some of their music. And the deal was that they could play this two-hour set in this brothel if they um, brought a bunch of Christians who would sit and drink coke in the bar. And so they did that. And uh, the lead singer, Aaron Boyd, describes kind of him playing with the rest of the guys and looking at people, and people looking at him, and he's thinking, I bet they're wondering what these folks are doing singing Jesus songs in a place like this. And the way it was kind of set up is... uh, Others in other bars could hear them, and there were people standing in doorways and all that kind of stuff. And as he's singing, he said uh, he just got this overwhelming sense that what he was seeing in front of him wasn't all there was for these people or for that place. And so they started playing, and he started to sing out what he thought was part of God's heart for that place and what he sensed God was saying. And this kind of minor key riff turned in with these words, you're the God of this city. You're the Lord of these people. You're the king of this nation. You are. And he said he kind of sang it continuously on a kind of loop. And as the others kind of carried on joining in with him, it seemed to somehow just build up into this chorus that said, greater things are yet to come in this city. And he talks about it really emotionally and says for him singing that in that place, sensing what God was saying to him, changed him. As this song was birthed that's now sung around the world. And I guess I see in that story and in that song some of the tension that underlies this passage. Jesus is at work in the world and he's doing what he spoke of But sometimes when we look, it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem like it's fulfilled yet. It may be fulfilled in our hearing, but it doesn't seem like it's fulfilled in our eyes. Jesus proclaims who he is and what he's come to do, and we're still seeing that being worked out. And we're longing to see the big picture, aren't we? And I thought it might be good, even if it's not something we would normally do, and even if the music isn't your normal style, to maybe listen to that song as we get ready to finish and use it almost like a prayer. Praying silently in ourselves, because Brian's going to come and lead us in prayers for others in a little bit, but maybe just praying for yourself. What do you need to see fulfilled in your hearing from what Jesus was saying his mission is? Or for those around us, for our city? For our world, that we would see it not just in our hearing but with our eyes. The track's maybe five or six minutes long, so um, as soon as it's finished, you'll know. But maybe just use it as a prayer for yourself this morning. Stop. 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The passage this morning is good news. And it's continuing good news. And so we can be people that are filled with hope and are open to see what God is doing and the possibilities of all the transformation that Jesus talks about. And because we're God's people, we know that he involves us and gets us to participate in the mission. To be people who know who Jesus is and know who we are. And know what this good news is and what it's going to look like. And so I wonder as we go through this next week, with some of that still in our minds, if we might begin to see Jesus bring fulfillment of the stuff that he talks about in a variety of different ways in the places that we find ourselves, It's good news and greater things are yet to come. Amen. We're going to sing together the song Inspired by Love and Anger.
Um, as we know, um, in this place, when preparing worship, strange things happened. And in preparing uh, prayers this morning, I decided to use part of the um, scripture reading this morning as the intro. And I chose the message. And Graham and I didn't know that. Jesus rolled up the school and said, You have just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. Let us pray and let us listen for God. Good news for the poor. In the silence, let us listen for the Spirit and bring to mind where and how God is bringing good news for the poor in the world today and in our community. Pardon for prisoners. In the silence, let us listen for the Spirit and bring to mind where and how God is bringing good news for those who are imprisoned in mind and body and spirit. Recovery of sight to the blind. In the silence, let us listen for the Spirit and bring to mind where and how God is bringing good news for those who are blinded in mind and body and spirit. To set the burdened and battered free. In the silence, let us listen for the Spirit and bring to mind where and how God is bringing good news for all those who are oppressed in body, in mind, and in spirit.
God asks, who will go with me? Who will extend my reach? And so with all this in mind, we also pray for ourselves, that we encourage each other, renewing our own commitment to the manifesto of Jesus, of showing and telling the good news and fullness of life, that we support each other, renewing our communal strength, and that we reflect on something new that we can offer leaving from this place this morning. Jesus rolled up the scroll and said, You have just heard scripture make history. It came true just now, in this place. Lord, where our prayers lead, may our actions follow. And we continue our prayers in the giving of an offering. together. Father, we recognise that everything we are and everything that we have comes from you. And so we thank you for the ways in which you've blessed us and for the different things that you're doing in our lives. And what we bring this morning is just a small way of giving back to you part of what you've already given us. And so, Father, we ask for your wisdom to know how to use the money wisely. And we pray that it would reach far beyond what would seem humanly possible. And that you would accomplish in this place all that you have set out to do. And would you use not just 
the money that we've brought, but us as people too. For we ask it in your name. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing our final hymn, number 354 in the Red Books. Who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Mm-hmm.